Hello, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. My name is Kelly Ward, and this is another Liberty from Captivity podcast, episode number two. Today is Sunday, August 16th, 2020. The title of today's show is Deliverance Basics Series, Part 1, Foundations of Deliverance. I wanted to start this as a series, a, just a basic series on deliverance that you can apply to yourself or when ministering to others. I just want to give just a quick recap from episode number one and just bring some of that material over here. So we are in a battle. This battle is not won automatically. We were given the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 and we're expected to use it. Paul was attacked by a demon in 2 Corinthians 12. So he wasn't immune to these attacks. The devil seeks to devour us as shown in 1 Peter 5.8. That word devour there means to swallow up. It's like kind of like one big gulp. And we are to understand the enemy's devices as Paul stated in 2 Corinthians 2 verses 10 through 11. We are also called to overcome. Revelation 12, verse 7 and 3, verse 5 talk about this, as well as Romans 12, verse 21, 1 John 2, verse 13, John 16, verse 33, and Romans 8, verse 17. And you can go look those up if you want to, uh, or you can go back to the first podcast and listen to it where I kind of talked about those a little bit. So this spiritual battle that we're in is only going to intensify, and you can see that in in this crazy world that's going on around us right now. I mean, all you got to do is just turn on the TV or listen to some you know alternative media, news media, and it, it the, the battle is just crazy. The enemy has just gone absolutely nuts. People just seem like they've just gone crazy. So this battle is only going to intensify. If you aren't prepared for the battle, you may become a casualty of war. That obviously is not God's will for your life. And last, without deliverance, your spiritual growth will be stunted. You'll stay right where you are, and you you won't go up higher in your relationship with the Lord. But once you get free, and you start to peel back those layers of the onion, you'll be able to have a better relationship with the Lord because you're not battling those things, and you're able to walk in that freedom, and you're able to go higher in Him. And that's what He wants for all of us. So just a few notes before we get into the actual foundations part of this podcast. Most of us can quote John 10 verse 10, which says, The thief does not come but except to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life, that they may have life more abundantly. So let's think about this just a moment. Why do you lock the doors on your house or your vehicle? Because you don't want your life to be threatened or your property stolen, right? Well, we need to apply this same thing in our own lives, in our spiritual lives. We need to get our spiritual doors shut and locked, just like our physical doors, so that we can kick the enemy out and keep them out. Luke 4, verse 18, and I like to think of this as Jesus' mission statement, and this verse is basically the verse that I use as a foundation for the name of this ministry, which is Liberty from Captivity. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So if we just look at that, just just take it apart, just real simply, he's, it says, He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We all agree that the gospel needs to go out to everybody, right? Everybody needs to be saved. But then he goes on to say, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. 
well, we would all agree that we need healing for our physical and emotional wounds, right? Then he also says to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So that's the physical healing, but that also is deliverance from demonic oppression. We can't take any one of those out or add anything in, and we have to look at that holistically and realize that that's what God wants for all of us. We can't pick and choose and cherry pick which part of the Bible we want to stand on and which we, what parts we don't. So Jesus told the disciples what to do in the Great Commission, and the same applies to us today. I like how Mark 16 states it in verses 15 through 18, because there's something in here that I did not see in the book of Matthew and Luke. And it says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So let's break this down just a little bit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. We all agree, once again, everybody needs to be saved, right? But then Jesus goes on to say that there will be signs that follow believers. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. There will be miracles. There will be laying on of hands for healing. It doesn't make much sense for people to be saved only to get shortchanged by not ministering deliverance, either to yourself or to somebody else. Yet in today's churches, that's exactly what happens. Now, I know that there are some churches that do minister deliverance, and that's great, but those are very few and far between. And I, and now, this is just a side note. This is my personal belief. I do believe in the very near future, as God judge, God's judgment plays out, that our churches will be judged and God will separate the sheep from the goats. The remnant will be able to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit and they will be able to deliver people of demons and to heal them. That's part of the reason that I'm here is to teach you how to do these things for yourself so that you can get set free and that you can understand these basic principles so that you can help do the same for others. So let's go into just a little bit of background on what the prerequisites are for the foundations of deliverance. I would like to use the analogy of painting a house to illustrate this point. Back in the late 90s, when I had just started uh, junior college, before I went on to uh, a university, I worked at a local hardware store chain in the paint department. And I explained to people that painting is largely preparation, about 80% preparation, 20% painting, something like that. It may have been 90-10, but either way, it's mostly preparation. So let's think about this just a moment. If you're going to paint your home, let's say you're going to paint the inside of your house. You have to plan everything for your project. You need to know what colors you want to apply and how you want it to look. You need to buy the paint, the brushes, the rollers, masking tape, drop cloths, etc. So you need to buy all your materials. Then you need to clear out all of the areas that you want to apply the paint to. Remove all the furniture, take down all the pictures and ornaments off the walls, patch the holes, etc. Then you need to clean everything. You need to clean the baseboards, you need to clean all the cobwebs, you need to clean all the dirt off the walls, etc. Then you need to mask off the areas that you don't want paint applied. So maybe you might apply the masking tape to, to the baseboards and you're going to paint the walls so you don't want to get paint all over the baseboards. 
And you also don't want to get paint all over your floor. So you're going to put down drop cloths on your floor because you don't want to get that out of carpet. I mean, that's very hard to get out of carpet, right? So you're going to mask all that off. After all that preparation, then you start applying paint to the walls. And you may have to even apply multiple coats. After you're done with that, then you may decide to take all that down or take some of it down at least, and then to mask off the, uh, the freshly painted walls so that you can paint the trim. And you want to do that, of course, after the paint's dry on the wall. And then after all that, after everything looks satisfactory, you can start removing the tape and the drop cloths and everything, and you can discard all of that stuff. You can then go bring all your furniture back in, put up all your pictures and ornaments, and you also need to clean all your brushes and rollers and everything and put all that up and save your paint for later because you probably will need to do touch-ups. Well, this analogy is very similar to how we need to approach deliverance. It's very much like this preparation that I described. So what preparation needs to occur before deliverance takes place? There are a few things here that I want to talk about that I think are very basic and fundamental, yet vitally crucial before going into battle. The first one should be very obvious to everybody. You need to be saved. Now, this is especially important, though, if you're ministering to somebody and they're not saved. I would highly encourage you to make sure that they get saved and that they have a genuine desire to want to serve the Lord. Some unsaved people might come forward for deliverance to deliverance ministries for various reasons, and this does happen. For anyone who isn't saved, it's important to minister the gospel to them and ensure that they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So it needs to be explained that salvation is a starting point of their walk with the Lord. Just because they get saved and delivered does not mean that they should go back to the way things were. They have to be 100% dedicated to changing their lives. Also, trying to minister deliverance without salvation opens the door to being overcome by demons. Let's think about the seven sons of Sceva. This, this paints a really good picture of why we don't want to minister deliverance to somebody else if you're not saved. Let's say, for instance, you're not saved, but you want to minister deliverance, okay? Acts 19 verses 11 through 20 states, God worked powerful miracles by the hands of Paul. So handkerchiefs or aprons he had touched were brought to the sick and diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists invoked the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We command you to come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. There were seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva doing this. The evil spirit answered, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was jumped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled from the house naked and wounded. This became known to all the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus. And fear fell on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was magnified. Many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Many who practiced magic brought their books together and burned them before everyone. They calculated their value, which equaled 50,000 drachmas. So the word of the Lord powerfully grew and spread. So first of all, if you're going to minister deliverance to yourself, you obviously need to be saved. I mean, that's just a, a, a prerequisite. Now, it is possible that you can cast a demon out of somebody who isn't saved. Paul did this in Acts 16, verses 16 through 18, which says, 
On one occasion, as we went to the place of prayer, a servant girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She did this for many days, but becoming greatly troubled, Paul turned to the Spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out at that moment. So you can't absolutely command a demon to come out of somebody who isn't saved. However, there is a difference between engaging in battle over somebody who is harassing you versus somebody who is coming forward for deliverance and they know that deliverance is real. They know that they want to be saved. And so I want to show you something from Matthew 12 verses 43 through 45. And this is important because we need to keep these things in mind when we're ministering to somebody who really wants to be free because you don't want to make them worse. I like to think of it as they can quote unquote get sicker. Okay. So it says when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through dry places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with itself seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be also with this evil generation. So it's really important to understand if you are unsaved and demons are cast out, let's say somebody that all they, you know, they're, they're being harassed by demons, but they don't want to get saved, but you cast demons out of them. You're better off just binding up the demons instead of casting them out. You run the risk of that person becoming quote-unquote sicker as a result. Now, obviously, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit on what to do. Also, an unsafe person does not know how to fight against the demons, nor do they understand their covenant relationship with God. They don't understand the written word of God. Thus, they haven't renewed their minds. They also don't understand and know about the Ephesians 6 whole armor of God, and they can't put up any kind of spiritual resistance, okay? So it's absolutely vital that you need to be saved, and the person that you might be ministering to is also saved. The second foundational principle for successful deliverance is repentance. Now, obviously, you need to be saved. That's first and foremost, but this one is probably the biggest and most impactful by and large, deliverance is a repentance-based system. In other words, without repentance, demons will either leave and return or won't leave at all. So deliverance will not be successful. There's something I want to talk to you about called legal rights. This is something that you might hear about in deliverance circles, and I want to explain this to you a little bit. God has a heavenly courtroom system where Jesus is our advocate or our defendant, and the devil is the accuser of the brethren or the prosecuting attorney. This is just like our system of law here in the U.S. In deliverance circles, a legal right is an unrepentant sin that gives the demons the right to inhabit the person that they are oppressing. They can continue to harass you, and you need to understand why they're doing that and what to do about it, okay? So 1 John 2 verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you do not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So again, he is our defendant. 
He is our advocate. Revelation 12, verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. So there you have a picture of the courtroom scene where the devil himself is the prosecuting attorney, okay? So simply put, repentance is the key to getting a spiritual case won in your favor and to break the legal rights the demons have to oppress you. This is what we might call closing the spiritual doors. I believe it was Dr. Michael Lake who hosts the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing podcast who stated, repentance is a spiritual atomic bomb. And I absolutely agree with him wholeheartedly on that. Very well put. Oftentimes in deliverance, we may refer to this spiritual principle as a door. If you have any open doors in your life, then there is some legal right for the demon to oppress you. You need to get the door closed through repentance. So you have to repent in order to get free. If you're not willing to repent, there is no point in deliverance because it will just fail. One of two things may happen. Number one, the demons won't leave. Or number two, the demons may come back and bring more with them. Just like we talked about in Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45, where it says that the, you know, the demons go out into dry places seeking rest and finding none. Then he brings seven other spirits more wicked than himself, so the person can end up sicker. So you absolutely, absolutely want to repent. That is vitally crucial. When I served at Deliverance Ministries in Oklahoma City, all the people who came in for deliverance were ministered to as a group first. The deliverance ministers were in another room. We were getting some sort of a teaching or we were praising and worshiping during that time. The people that were there to be ministered to were led through what we called the door closing prayer. This prayer covers a lot of potential open doors. They're very general, but it, it does also address unforgiveness towards somebody else or themselves. This door closing prayer was a was a way to cut down on demonic manifestations when they were being ministered to when they went to the one-on-one -on -one ministry session afterwards. I was always very careful to make sure that when I was ministering to somebody else that they had forgiven others, like a parent, friends, spouses, maybe somebody raped them or molested them, a business partner who stole money from them or did them wrong, etc. If they couldn't forgive then ministry would stop and they would be told that they need to go work on this and to come back again because ministry would just not it just wouldn't be successful the demons don't have to leave if you don't forgive and i do want to put in a note here just real quick that it's often helpful to tell people that forgiveness is a choice not an emotion your choice to forgive someone relinquishes your right to avenge what they did it's also helpful to understand that unforgiveness towards somebody else only hurts you, not them. If someone did you wrong, chances are they don't even care anyway about how you feel about them. So it's best to forgive and to work out the emotional details with various inner healing techniques and the breaking of ungodly soul ties to deal with the emotions that are attached with that. Now that's not part of this session that you know I plan on doing that in a later podcast. So another principle is you have to want to be free. If you are not willing to fight for your freedom, then the demons likely won't leave. Warfare is serious business, and any soldier who is not prepared can be taken captive or become a casualty of war. 
Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. So it's obvious that we have to fight. We are in a battle. And I do want to give some some biblical examples of of some of these battles and how deliverance and healing can kind of go together with all of this. And it, and, and it does kind of tie into wanting to be free. So I, there is a point here to this. So the healing of the paralytic. This is Matthew 9, verses 2 through 6. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said to themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. So this is an example of this man wanting to be free. And the guys who were helping him, that lowered that bed down to him, you know, they were exercising their faith, but they but this man wanted to be free. Okay. And it should also be noticed here that healing and deliverance many times go together. Another example, the woman with the issue of blood, Matthew 9, verses 20 through 22. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. So this is, now this is an example of healing. It wasn't necessarily deliverance, but the point here is, she wanted to be healed and she was willing to do anything to do it. She was willing to reach out to Jesus to get her healing. We need to be able to do the same things with our deliverance. We want to reach out to Jesus and receive our miracle. Another example, the healing at the pool of Bethesda. This is in John 5 verses 1 through 8 and verse 14. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great crowd of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. After the stirring of the water, whoever stepped in first was healed of whatever disease he had. A certain man was there who had an illness for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew he had been there in that condition now for a long time. He said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And, this is, and then it skips to, then I'm skipping to verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have become whole. Sin no more 
lest something worse happens to you. So this poor guy waited 38 years to get delivered and healed. There was some sin that happened that opened the door for him to get this disease, whatever it was, and he went there year after year after year. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 41 years old, and, he, and I cannot imagine waiting 38 years to, to be delivered and healed. He absolutely wanted it. You have to want it. Now, that is dedication. He was absolutely dedicated. And Jesus obviously knew that he desperately wanted to be free, and he had compassion on him and healed him and delivered him. Okay, so another prerequisite. You need to practice holiness and righteousness. We need to be doing this anyway, but it is especially important to prevent demons from coming back and, uh, and also to close any open doors that we may have in our lives. So the previous example of the man healed at the pool of Bethesda is a great example of why holiness and righteousness is required when Jesus stated in John 5, verse 14b, See, you have become whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing happens to you. So if you open the door through sin, it's going to come back worse on you if you've already been delivered. So you see, sins, transgressions, and iniquities are door openers for demons. Now just really quick, just very high-level definition of those. A sin is missing the mark. Transgression is intentional disobedience. And iniquity is a conscious decision to sin without repentance and is much more deeply rooted than the other two. So I want to give just a quick story of how demons enter. This is the story of Cain and Abel from Genesis 4, verses 1 through 14. Adam had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived, gave birth to Cain, and said, I have begotten a man with the help of the Lord. Then she gave birth again to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had respect for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he did not have respect. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must rule over it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which opens up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. From now on you will till the ground. It will not yield from you its best. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Then Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. You have driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from your face will I be hidden, and I will be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. So I just want to break this down just a little bit. Cain disobeyed by not offering a blood animal sacrifice. And as a result of that, he got upset and he killed his brother. Sin was crouching at the door and it dominated him. He didn't roll over it like he was supposed to. 
So he committed murder. And as a result of the murder, okay, now he opened the door. Now he's cursed from the ground which opened its mouth, received your brother, your brother's blood from your hand. From now on, when you till the ground, it will not yield its best to you. So he was going to have to work feverishly to try to get any fruit from his labors. And it probably was going to bear little fruit. Also, you will become a fugitive and a wanderer in the earth. So now he picks up a vagabond spirit. And you've probably seen or heard of some of these people who, for whatever reason, I, I remember seeing this, uh, I don't remember what it was. It was one of those shows years ago on, on TV. Maybe it was 2020 or something like that, where there was a guy, he was a successful, I guess, businessman, but he had this desire to want to go get on a train and just go somewhere. So he would just hitchhike on a train and uh, and he obviously had a vagabond spirit. So there was something that either happened to him or in his bloodline that needed to be repented of. And of course, I don't know whether or not the guy was saved. But my point is, is you can get demons from opening the door and disobedience. That's the point to all of this. So if you practice holiness and righteousness, you can keep the door shut. Always, always, always walk in a spirit of repentance. You can never repent too much repent every day morning and night and you can do a pretty good job of keeping the doors closed so just a quick recap of what needs to take place the, the fundamentals and the basics for deliverance number one you need to be saved number two you have to repent and that is vitally vitally important most of you are listening to me probably are saved so if you are saved then repentance is the number one most important thing i cannot stress that enough and then number three, you have to want to be free. And I gave many, many examples of that. And then number four, you need to practice holiness and righteousness. So with that, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to leave a comment in the blog. Uh, I plan on posting this in the blog at libertyfromcaptivity.com. You can go there and th you should see this in the blog section. And if you have any questions, feel free to post something there. Feel free to send me an email. There's also a contact section about me. So you can go in there to the contact section. My email address is there, and you can also use the form there to send me any questions you might have. So I just want to thank you for listening, and I hope you all have a very blessed week, and hopefully I will be working on the next installment of this. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I plan on getting started on that here in the very near future. So thank you so much, and please stay tuned for part two of this series. Thank you, and God bless you.
above has hands to heal Saves us from our faults and fears Giving us the peace that we so desperately need